I'm journalist Carolyn Osorio, and I invite you to join me and my co-host, Brandon Morgan, on our podcast, Criminal Mischief. From law enforcement officers seeking justice to victims' families seeking answers, every week there's a new case and a new victim whose story deserves to be told. New episodes of Criminal Mischief drop every Tuesday. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Casual Criminalist. I, as always, am your host here, Simon Wemsey, one of my writers. In this case, Matt, thank you, Matt, has written me a script. Beauty in the Sea reply, the tragic case of Nancy Argento. We're going to dive into it together, so let's go. Let's talk about professional wrestling. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> Something I know nothing about. I think, didn't Matt write me a previous script about some dude who was, like, a professional wrestler and... He murdered people because he had something wrong with his brain because, you know, getting into a ring and beating people up and getting your head whacked around is uh, it's just not going to be good for your brain, is it? I mean, those NFL football players, I made a video the other day. There was something like 99% of them who played have some sort of like that uh, brain damage thing that they talk about, which is just like, that is unbelievable. It's just... Yeah, 99%. Yeah, Simon, we're back with one of your favorite subjects. Okay, in all seriousness, it is true that pro wrestling is not for everyone. Some even scoff and degrade it as fake when the more appropriate term is scripted. Yeah, people were like, as an I was making a bit of fun of it, and people got all antsy in the comments. And I'm like, yeah, you know, people were like, oh, it's, 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 like a, it's like a show, Simon. It is. Well, yeah, but it doesn't, like, you know, a TV show doesn't sort of pretend to be real. It's not like you're watching Harry Potter and wondering, oh, is he a wizard or is he a fake wizard? You know! <laughs> yes, it's clear that the matches are predetermined, but the wrestlers themselves are athletes. They put their bodies on the line every night for the entertainment and love of the fans. And boy, are there a lot of fans. Millions worldwide of all ages. This has brought beloved the world over and has brought joy to folks of all ages and backgrounds for decades. Look, Matt, it also has brought me joy. It's brought me joy in the way that I can ridicule it. With that out of the way, should you want any more wrestling knowledge, just let me know. <laughs> a hard pass. <laughs> Today we look at someone considered to be a bona fide legend of the wrestling business. Before there was hustle, loyalty, and respect. <laughs> before there was Austin 316. Before we could smell what The Rock is cooking. Hell, even before Hulk Mania was running wild across the globe, there was the Superfly. I didn't know The Rock was originally in wrestling. Although I suppose if I think about it, I did, because I can see, imagine that meme of him. There's a famous meme of The Rock wrestling, right? The Rock was also in Star Trek Voyager in an episode of Star I've been re-watching that and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Jimmy Superfly Snooker was the most powerful wrestler in the world in the early 1980s. At the time, he wrestled for Vince McMahon in the World Wrestling Federation, or WWF, which is today known as the WWE. Every time he entered the arena, the fans would erupt with cheers and applause, chanting the name of a true innovator within the squared circle. And before you ask, that's another name for the wrestling ring. That I did know, because I feel like I've made a video about that. I think I made a video about why boxing rings are square um despite being called a ring i think it was a today i found that found out video or maybe it was like one entry on top tens which is another channel i do known for his big splash from the top rope known simply as the superfly splash it brought fans to their feet every night and brought him several championships across the united states including the ecw extreme championship wrestling world championship and the nwa national wrestling alliance united states championship his career all culminated in 1996 when he was inducted into the WWF Hall of Fame. Okay, so he's a big deal wrestler. Seven line paragraphs to be like, he's a big deal. 
big deal wrestler. He won some belts. Even today, several years after his death, there are countless people who still hold his name in reverence and hold the memories of the Superfly near and dear to their hearts. But there's another faction of people who feel otherwise. There's a number of very vocal people out there who defame his legacy and call him a monster. Oh, okay, well... This is the casual criminalist. We knew at some point it was going to get dark. When he died, I assumed that he had been murdered or something. But is this another wrestling dude who kills people? <laughs> it's quite intense. Two? This is because in 1983, an incident occurred in the middle of the night in Allentown, Pennsylvania, that would follow Snooker all the way until his dying day. Follow me dear listeners once more into the darkness as we try and unravel a case that seems both clear-cut and yet complicated at the same time it's a story of a superstar whose life was forever changed thanks to the tragic death of a beautiful and wonderful young woman one who he claimed to love yet others say otherwise was it murder was it an accident join us today and let us find out super super superfly as always Let's go back to the beginning and give a bit of insight about the man behind this case. Born in the British colony of Fiji on May the 8th, 1943, to Louisa Smith and Charles Thomas, Jimmy Snooker was born James Wiley Smith. His parents weren't an item at the time of his conception, as his father was married to another woman and his mother was engaged to another man by the name of Bernard Ryher. Well, it definitely sounds like they were an item in some way because they had a baby. <laughs> his mother later married Ryher before James was born, and shortly after, he took his stepfather's last name. His family moved around when he was a child, going from Fiji to the Marshall Islands before heading to Hawaii. As he got older, Snooker got into bodybuilding, and he was good at it, winning the titles of Mr. Hawaii, Mr. Wakiki, and Mr. North Shore in competitions during the 1960s. It was during the late 60s that, unsure how bodybuilding would provide him with the life he wanted, Jimmy Snooker made the decision to become a professional wrestler. Jimmy trained for two years in Hawaii at Dean Ho's gym under wrestler and trainer Danny Hoge before making his debut under the name Jimmy Kiloha in 1970. Soon enough, he made his way across the Pacific to the mainland United States, and he began traveling through the States. It was in the early 1980s that Snooker caught the eye of Vince McMahon, owner of the World Wrestling Federation. He saw something special in this jacked, tough-looking Fijian and signed Snooker to an exclusive contract. Initially portraying a heel that's a villain while with the company, Snooker's innovative high-flying style captivated audiences and he would soon get cheered more than just about anyone on the show whenever he showed up. He got to the point where fans almost gave officials in the bag no choice other than to turn Snooker into a face or a good guy, and things only took off from there. His claim to fame was his trademark signature maneuver, the Superfly Splash. It was rare in those days for someone to come off the top rope with such grace and form. <laughs> grace and form until he smashes his body into someone else's body. So it captivated crowds the world over. To this day, one of the most well-known images in wrestling is Snooker on the top of a steel cage in Madison Steel Garden before Madison Square Garden, sorry, before diving onto his opponent from 20 feet high in front of a sold-out audience. 20 feet? Isn't that like 7 meters? That's super high! Oh my god, that poor guy! A peak athlete with an inhuman athleticism and boundless charm that would pack arenas full of people at just the mention of his name. Jimmy Snooker was a hero to millions and a promoter's dream. So yeah, you could say things were looking up for Snooker, but that's always when it happens, isn't it? You're on top of the world, and nothing could possibly bring you down until it does. Two pages in, and I've learned more about wrestling than I thought I would ever learn, or indeed wanted to learn. Ah, oh, let's get into the crime. Hello, sweet Nancy. 
So I know what many of you, or at the very least Simon, are probably thinking, enough of this wrestling history lesson, Matt. It's been fun, but what's the reason we're discussing this on a true crime channel? I, I, I promise you I don't read this ahead. And yeah, no, Matt, you absolutely nailed it with that one. It's because you did two pages of exposition about wrestling and its history and a dude who's graceful until his body slams into another man's body from eight meters, seven meters in the air which is kind of intense. Nancy Argento was a young woman, beautiful, intelligent, innocent. At the time, Nancy had a friend named Ellen that she'd grown up with who had a fiancé who was a wrestler. It soon became a habit for Nancy to accompany Ellen to Madison Square Garden for wrestling events. It was during that time backstage that Nancy came to meet Jimmy Snooker. They liked each other and they got along well, keeping things cordial at first, but over time, things deepened, and soon enough, the two of them began a relationship. Nothing too untoward about that, right? Oh well, there was the fact that Jimmy was in fact married at the time to his second wife, Sharon. <laughs> As they began a relationship, ah, oh, but he was already married, ah oh, no. Here we go. So yes, not exactly the best look for the uber-popular superfly, but Nancy didn't seem to mind. The wrestling life gets lonely on the road, after all, and she was happy to keep old Jimmy company and give him the love he wanted. Well, I'm sure Nancy didn't mind. <laughs> Sharon was probably a bit upset about the whole thing. Her family was not exactly enthusiastic about this, especially since they didn't really get along with Snooker that well. Lorraine Salome, Nancy's older sister, spoke with people behind the TV show Dark Side of the Ring and told them about how Snooker would behave whenever he was around the family. To quote, he was really strange because we tried to make him feel comfortable, but he would sit in the corner and he wouldn't talk to anyone, except occasionally to Nancy. Not the best first impression, if you ask me, and it didn't get any better from there. Now, back in the day, the wrestler's life on the road could be both wild and monotonous. Wrestlers would get in routines of getting up, eating, working out, wrestling, sleeping, and repeating. Very much life on a loop. Oh. <laughs> Wait, that, like, <laughs> you have to be living a really interesting life. Like, don't get me wrong, I like my life, but my life is fairly, especially since I've had kids, it's fairly loop-like. It's like, wake up early, do a bit of work, take care of my kids, go to work, come home from work, look after my kids, have some dinner, go to bed. Life is fairly loop-like. Um, I don't think that's an excuse for, like, bad behavior. At least until I get into my middle ages and I, I purchase a Porsche. But there were also plenty of cases and occasions where they would go out together and cut loose, drinking and doing a cavalcade of drugs. Sometimes they wouldn't even need to be partying. They would just be traveling between towns and states and they would be doing drugs. Unfortunately, this was just a lifestyle that Snooker fell into and it didn't take long before cocaine had its claws into him. It got to the point where his on-screen manager, off-screen handler and chauffeur former wrestler buddy rogers simply didn't want to drive him anymore he admitted that snooker was a sweet man but he did so much of the hard stuff that it affected his personality changing who he was for the worse whenever he was high they'd be driving and snooker would just bust out the cocaine and snort it so who do you think was stuck looking after this drugged up wild man well yes you guessed it. it was not nancy argento somehow rogers and mcmahon wrangled nancy into the job of driving jimmy from place to place and basically being his babysitter making sure he didn't do too much cocaine taking care of him when he did too much cocaine making sure he made it to the towns and venues on time mapping out the locations and best routes to said locations you know the type of thing that every loving girlfriend wants to do yeah this sounds miserable it sounds like is she getting paid for this at least jesus and she's like mapping routes she's like doing the google maps before google maps I remember you used to have to plan like a route. I remember whipping out a map and being like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to go to here, and then to here, and then to here. And now it's like, okay, I just put it in Google where I really want to go. Or Waze. And they'll even tell you where the police are. <laughs> she took it all into her plate, even when she shouldn't have, all because she loved him. Downward Spiral. 
As things progressed, it became very clear that the relationship between Nancy and Snooker simply wasn't the healthiest. <laughs> it took some time. I'm sorry, but it's obviously not a healthy relationship. While on the road, Jimmy would become very protective of Nancy, not wanting her to be around the boys in the locker room. Now, I'm not saying that watching out for your partner is a bad thing, but it is when you don't want them socializing with anyone except yourself, that's when things get to be too much. Yeah, it's obviously a line, isn't it? If he's like, hey, don't go into the room where all the other wrestlers are getting naked and they're all like, you know, roided up or whatever and aggressive. Don't go in there. That's fine. Being like, you can't have any friends. Not fine. It's like a sliding scale. It's good to be a little bit protective. It's not good to be overprotective. On top of that, when Nancy and Jimmy did have some downtime and would go visit Nancy's family, his behavior would only get worse and worse. His sisters and stepfather were particularly wary of the man. It didn't help that Snooker had even threatened Nancy's sister Louise over dinner. It's not a healthy relationship when you're threatening the, your your love interest's family. That's so intense. And he apologized afterwards by offering her a bag of cocaine. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. What the f*** are you doing? <laughs> you must be so high on drugs to think that, that other people are so on drugs that they also want drugs and that's a good way to apologize. <laughs> Sorry, you want some coke? To quote, He felt bad that he treated me that way, so he said, Here, here, I want to give you something. And in my hands were, like, cocaine. I think it was cocaine, and Nancy was upset. She just said, Don't do that, don't do that. She doesn't need that. <laughs> yeah. Stop giving my family cocaine! Smooth, Jimmy, real smooth. So not only did Nancy's family know that Jimmy was doing hard drugs, not only did they know that he was a married man, with Nancy simply using the excuse that they're separated, but they started to notice other things, mostly with Nancy. Where Nancy used to be all smiles and outspoken, as time went on, they began to notice her becoming more soft-spoken, more timid, and she simply wasn't the Nancy they knew. If that sounds like a bad girlfriend to anyone, you would be correct. On top of all the drug use and possessiveness, Jimmy Snooker would physically abuse Nancy on a fairly regular basis. He would beat her up so badly that her bright, open, and bubbly personality would diminish to a shadow of her former self. It even got to the point where the police had to be called on Jimmy for his behavior and treatment of Nancy. One night in January 1983, while staying in New York at the Howard Johnson Hotel, noise complaints were being sent to the front desk as people were concerned that a man could be seen hitting a woman. On top of that, Nancy's sister Lorraine received a call from her at the same time. I was in my apartment, sleeping, and I got a phone call at two o'clock in the morning from Nancy. She was screaming into the phone, Lorraine, you have to help me, I have to get out of here. I asked what's wrong. She said, he's chasing me. And then the phone went dead. The police were called, and when they arrived, they found Snooker, Nancy, by the hair, dragging her on the floor and against the wall. Regardless, the police intervened at once, and Snooker, coked out of his brain, resisted with the officers calling it superhuman strength. It's not superhuman. He's a beast of a man. He's a professional wrestler, and he's on coke. <laughs> it's like Florida Man on meth. The two people you don't want to take down. A professional wrestler on cocaine, and Florida Man on meth. They even released the dogs, and Snooker managed to put up a fight against both the cops and the hounds. Oh my lord. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. And sadly, after all was said and done, Nancy told her sister the next morning that it was all just one big misunderstanding, and while Jimmy was arrested for assault and harassment, she would make sure to get him out and void any charges, making sure that he served no time in jail for his actions. Is that a situation where someone has to press charges? Because I feel like in that situation, the, the, the wife, who's uh, the, the girlfriend or sorry, whoever, is battered, like in this case, and she's afraid of him. So she's going to be like, no, please drop the charges and just let him come home. And it's an obvious problem, uh, psychological problem. So surely the police should be like, yeah, um, too bad. <laughs> too bad. I don't care what you're saying. He's uh, still going to prison. Oh, remember when I mentioned that Jimmy told Nancy that he and his wife Shan were separated? That was a lie. I'm not 
I'm not shocked. <laughs> this doesn't shock me at all. The two of them were living happily together with their two children when Jimmy wasn't on the road, and as soon as he was on the road, he would be right back to Nancy, letting her take care of him and deal with him. Quote, If I was guilty of anything, it was cheating on my wife, and that was it. As you can all see, things were just getting worse and worse. The downward spiral was well and truly underway, and it was all about to end in the most tragic way imaginable. Today's video brought to you by Stitch Fix. Shopping for clothes can be daunting. Oh, God, I hate shots. <laughs> daunting is not the word I'd use. I'd call it a massive pain in the ass, to be honest. You never know when things will fit, returns are difficult, and sometimes you don't even know where to start. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to go to the clothes store because I don't want to leave the house, and I don't want to go outside, and I don't want to be asked if I'm doing okay in the store. I don't want to go to the change room or any of this crap. But I also don't want to buy things on... I bought something online the other day, and they were like... 90% of people with your body size think that uh, said that this fits perfectly and it arrives and I'm like <laughs> But those other people were smoking crack. This looks like I'm lost in my dad's jacket when I'm five years old This is crazy. I hate it all but you know who solves that problem? Of course, it's today's sponsor, Stitch Fix. It's fun and easy to get started. You take a few minutes to set up your Stitch Fix profile, answer a few questions about what you like to wear, what you don't, and how open you are to trying new styles. Then Stitch Fix's expert stylists will go to work finding items exclusively for you. Every piece is handpicked for you and is unique to your style, size, and it's in your budget, making it the best way to discover clothes that make you look and feel your best. Stitch Fix will send you five pieces to try on at home, keep what you want and keep what you love and send back what you don't. Shipping returns and exchanges are easy and for free. Plus, there's no subscription required. Try once or set up automatic deliveries. There are no hidden fees ever. Hate that. Hate this hidden fees. So it's awesome. And when they're just like, you don't have to subscribe if you don't want to. I just like that. I like that. It's just an excellent bonus. Sign up for Stitch Fix and get the season's latest pieces for women, men, and kids. That's nice. I've got kids. This would be super useful for them. That would be great. Sign up today at stitchfix.com slash casual to get $20 off your first purchase. That's stitchfix.com slash casual, $20 off your first purchase. Limited time offer purchase within two days of sign up. Did you like how I read that bit at the end fast? I saw that as a ooh, little bit of thing. I always liked that as a kid. When like subject to status, terms and conditions apply, blah, 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 blah. So fast. They must speed those guys up, right? Sorry, stitchfix.com slash casual, $20 off your first purchase. And uh, back to today's show. The incident in Allentown. We now get to the crux of our story, and the reason the Superfly is looked on with so much suspicion to this very day. It was May the 10th, 1983, and Jimmy and Nancy arrived in Allentown, Pennsylvania for a set of TV tapings for championship wrestling that Jimmy was meant to take part in. The two of them checked into the George Washington Motor Lodge that day, and Jimmy left to go to the tapings, Nancy staying behind in their room. <laughs> the George Washington Motor Lodge, in my mind, like... Is this different in America? But Motor Lodge sounds like they're the, you know, like a dumpy motel by the side of the road. Isn't this guy rich and famous? He's like a, a television star being driven around and all of this stuff. Why is he staying at the Motor Lodge? After filming a couple of sessions, Snooker returned to the room, stayed for a little, and then headed back out for several hours. Still, Nancy didn't leave their room. In fact, none of the other guests or wrestlers saw her at all after she and Snooker had checked in. After spending most of the day away, Jimmy Snooker returned to the motor lodge at around 9pm that night, and that's when everything turned upside down. Soon after arriving back, a call was placed to 911. It was Snooker, and he was calling for an ambulance. Police and paramedics arrived shortly after, the sirens ringing out through the dark of the night, awakening many of the other guests. Upon entering the room, the emergency services found Snooker crying and looking scared out of his wits, and the body of a young woman laid out across the bed. Uh-oh, this is not looking good for you, Snooker. It was Nancy Argento, unconscious, 
and unresponsive. The police took Jimmy to the side so the paramedics could do their jobs, and upon examining her, they found her pupils fixed and dilated, a clear indication of a head injury. The police and paramedics turned to Jimmy and started grilling him as to what in the world could have happened. Remind me, Simon, isn't one of the rules for criminals that once you have a plausible story, stick to it like your life depended on it or something like that? Yes, yeah. It's like before you call the ambulance, come up with a very good story, think everything through very carefully, and uh, then make the call. You probably haven't thought it through carefully enough, though, so when you think you have, think about it some more. Don't write it down, and if you do write it down, make sure you burn it afterwards, but come up with a very good story. And when the police come, immediately request a lawyer. Don't say anything. <laughs> oh, this show is also like just tips for criminals, isn't it? But you can't help but pointing out their mistakes because they're often so silly. Well, Jimmy did the exact opposite, changing his story six ways to Sunday or within the first day. When first asked, Jimmy said it might have been from the night before when the two of them were roughhousing and she'd accidentally hit her head. After that, they went to bed. The next day, he went to his matches, and while she was sleepy when he came back, she was definitely alive and aware. When he returned for the second time that night, that's when he found her like this. Now, that might sound decently possible, an accident while fooling around, except for all the well-documented abuse that Snooker had heaped upon Nancy on a regular basis. Yeah, dude, this is the thing. Like, if you, like, have no history of domestic abuse and you're like, yeah, I was just messing around with my wife and she fell over and smacked her head on the bed, then it's like, okay, that's totally believable. Um, you know, just messing around or whatever. If you have a bit of a history of it... I don't think you should be roughhousing in your relationship because that just sounds terrifying for your wife. And also, if you do end up hurting her, no one's gonna believe you. At this point, the EMTs put a line into Nancy's airways in order to help her breathe before taking her to the Sacred Heart Medical Center, <laughs> where she was treated by Dr. Don jo John Dorian. Jesus. as <laughs> uh, the, the hospital from Scrubs, right? Snooker came along too. While the doctors and nurses were trying their best to save Nancy's life, Snooker was going around the hospital, pleading his case to anyone and everyone who would listen don't do that talk to a lawyer <laughs> what are you doing hey doc listen i'm innocent <laughs> he doesn't care but now instead of simple roughhousing between lovers the story had changed there had been some sort of conflicts between the two which resulted in jimmy either hitting or shoving nancy which resulted in her hitting her head that's a mistake don't be saying that your lawyer would advise against that in the end, there was nothing the doctors can do. That night, Nazi Argento passed away without ever regaining consciousness. She was only 23. Her cause of death was determined to be traumatic brain injuries consistent with a moving head striking a stationary object. On top of that, upon examining her body, she was found to have multiple cuts and bruises on her head, ear, chin, arms, hands, back, buttocks, legs, and feet. Bro, this is... I mean, prima facie. This, this is seeming pretty open and shut isn't it the body looks so bad that given everything surrounding the death forensic pathologist isidore michalis suggested that the case be treated as homicide you're goddamn right like definitely and obviously innocent or proven guilty but charge this dude now accidents or murder cover-up the next day back at the lodge the police began questioning snooker proper they knew about his first story and the roughhousing, and they knew about him saying that he shoved her while in the middle of an altercation. So did Jimmy stick to either of these stories? No, you dude. What? You don't change the story the third time, and where is your f***ing lawyer? Of course not, because that would mean he's smart, and no one ever claimed that Jimmy Snooker was smart. Instead, he came up with an entirely new story for the cops. This time, the injury happened to Nancy before the two of them even reached Allentown. According to Snooker, the two of them pulled over to the side of the road before they reached down, because allegedly Nancy had to go to the bathroom and was unable to hold it. She got out of the car, ran off to take care of business, and Jimmy uh, was impatient, telling her to hurry it up. And wouldn't you know it, as Nancy was hustling back to the car, she slipped and fell backwards, cracking the back.
back of her head on the side of the road, hence the head trauma. That sounds like bullshit. Yes, I don't buy it either. No, because it's the third story. You can't just come up with a better story and then tell that one. You can't, because even if you think it, even if it is a better story, because you've to, told two stories already, and this is ridiculous. What are you doing? Also, I don't really think the story is that much more believable. Not only was it his third story, but it's undoubtedly the least believable of the bunch. After everything he had put her through, she just happened to die on the road while no one else was around. Something smells pretty foul here if you ask me. So, I know what you must all be thinking right now. Surely, with all the evidence and conflicting accounts, they must have taken Snooker in for this, right? I mean, I get the feeling he gets away with it, because didn't they say, didn't we say, like, at the beginning that he died at some point, and I don't feel like we said he died in prison or anything like that. Maybe Matt was just trying not to spoil it, but I get the feeling that he gets away with this. But the fact that he's not even taken in and charged is kind of insane. Well, sadly, you'd be wrong about that. In fact, at the time, no charges would be brought up against Jimmy Snooker whatsoever. And so, how could that possibly be? Well, we have the answer for you. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. <laughs> I thought the name McMahon was pronounced McMahon for so long. And one of my favorite musical uh, artists is a chap called Andrew McMahon. And I felt my entire, like, listening to him, but, like, until relatively recently, I thought his name was McMahon. 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 Yeah, McMahon. <laughs> Weird. It's almost like that time. I, I embarrassed myself as a kid. It was so embarrassing when I was a kid. But it wasn't. It's not embarrassing now as an adult. Like uh, a friend of mine was into the band Placebo, you know, running up that hill, da, 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 the emo band or whatever. And he had a, it was it was a T-shirt, and I was like, "What's Placebo?" <laughs> I was like twelve. Give me a break. It was so embarrassing at the time. And he's like, "Ah, it's Placebo. You don't know Placebo. Why you not cool?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> That's right, Jimmy Snooker's boss, owner and chairman of the WWF at the time, and undeniably the most powerful man in the history of professional wrestling. At the time, Snooker was being questioned at the lodge. McMahon called up the lodge and was handed off to investigators running the interrogation. Without mincing any words, he told the officers that Snooker would be cooperating entirely with the investigation. If anything else was said at the time, it's unknown to this day, but after the cops got off the phone with Vince, Jimmy Snooker was let go without any sort of charge. Why are they listening to this? It shouldn't matter if Jeff Bezos phones you up. It doesn't matter how successful someone is in business. The police should be independent and not be able to be threatened by rich people. And I know... <laughs> people are like, Simon, you're... Oh, you're sweet, innocent child. And look, I know that rich people get away with crimes more, obviously. But at this stage, at least, the police shouldn't be able to be leaned on like this. I get, like, courts and stuff and expensive lawyers. But at the very core of it, like, at the base level... If the police pull over someone driving a hundred in a Ferrari, or someone driving a hundred in like a beat-up Camry, they should be treated in the same way. Maybe even the Ferrari dude should get a bigger fine. They do that in Switzerland. They do that in the UK now, but it caps out. Like they uh, take into consideration how much money you make for how much you're gonna get fined. I think it's Switzerland. And there was some dude who was like super rich and he was driving super fast and he got like a quarter million euro fine or something. And I'm like, I would hate this because I don't want to have outrageous speeding fines. But obviously it makes a ton of sense and should be the system everywhere. Now, if that sounds suspicious to you, trust me, you're not alone. Over the years, many have speculated what exactly went on behind the scenes of this case, many people believing that a huge cover-up was taking place and the death of Nancy Argento was simply being brushed under the rug. It definitely sounds like that so far. 
Perhaps the most glaring testimony about this actually came from Jimmy Snooker himself many years later. In his autobiography, Snooker wrote that a meeting did take place between himself, Vince McMahon, and the authorities investigating the case at the time, though he never went into explicit detail. Probably a good idea. Don't write down your crimes. What he did say, though, was eye-opening to say the least. He said that on the day of the meeting, Vince arrived with a large briefcase and told Jimmy not to worry about anything. Oh, my lord. After that, the meeting took place, and once it concluded, the case of Nancy Argento's death simply went as cold as ice. It doesn't take a genius to determine what happened behind those closed doors, but that's all very much alleged, no matter how painfully obvious it was. Allegedly. Um... Obviously, just personal speculation here, but we're all thinking the same thing, right? There was a fat lot of cash in that briefcase, and some bribery went on, in my opinion. Speculation, definitely not a statement of fact. On the day of the funeral, Snooker continued to act remorseful, crying and wailing to the point of having to be removed. The family was then told by the undertaker who worked on Nancy that it was extremely hard to get her to look presentable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Open casket funerals, America. What's up with that? as she had a massive bruise on her entire neck as well as having a body covered in cuts and wounds. It seemed to be as clear as day to everyone but the cops what had happened, and even if it was, their wallets, allegedly, were too fat and heavy to care. It also didn't help that Vince reached out to the family to offer his condolence and offered them $25,000, clearly an attempt to make everything go away. Or he could have just been feeling bad. Um, also, how much... Doesn't this dude have lots of money? He's like a super famous wrestler. Cocaine and my friend. $25,000 isn't that much money to like a super famous person, right? Or is he just putting it all up his nose? Certainly wouldn't be the first time McMahon forked over massive amounts of cash in order to try and keep things hush-hush. And to McMahon, that's nothing. Is He's like the leader of professional wrestling. Does he own it? If he owns it, he's got to be a billionaire, surely. That's like nothing. In 1985, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the Argento family, trying to get justice in the only way they could, took Jimmy Snooker to trial with a wrongful death lawsuit. In the end, the U.S. District Courts ruled in their favor and awarded them $500,000 to be paid by Snooker. Jimmy, of course, didn't pay them a red cent, stating that, due to his lifestyle and drug habits, he'd be unable to pay them. Wow. You gotta... That's, that's crazy. When you are rich and famous, or you're not rich because you spend all your money. But I don't understand people who spend all their money. I mean, of course, sorry. I do understand people who spend all their money if they have to. I don't understand rich people who spend all their money because I'm like, bro, <laughs> why? You just living at the hilt and it just it keeps on going? What are you doing? Despite all of that, Snooker was never charged and it appeared that the case of Nancy Argento, regardless of if it stayed open, would remain cold and unsolved, at least for the time being. Revival and End Snooker's career continued unabated regardless of the allegations, with several of his more iconic moments and rivalries coming about after Nancy's death. However, his bad habits, terrible attitude, and continued addiction only continued to cause problems. Eventually, he was released by the WWF and returned to wrestling in various promotions around the world. He would eventually return to the WWF for several years, but he never would be the top star that he was before. After that and being inducted into the Hall of Fame, Snooker's career stagnated. Outside of working for NWA and WCW briefly, he would mostly wrestle on the independent circuit, appearing sporadically for the WWE until 2009. All the while, Nancy's family never gave up hope that justice would one day be served. They did their best to keep Nancy's name alive, even when nobody else would. Snooker, who at this point had remarried and was slowing down, seemed to be content with his place in life at the time. Of course he was. He's super successful and allegedly got away with murder. Allegedly, in my opinion. <laughs> covering my ass with this one because obviously there's no criminal conviction quote i know i made mistakes but that's all said and done he was quoted as saying yeah it's said and done for you but it's probably not said and done for nancy argento's family 
who is still alive and thinking about her. I'm okay now. I'm back to my normal Superfly Jimmy Snooker self. I'm happy and I'm hanging in there. Um, f*** you. In 2015, Jimmy Snooker finally retired from the ring in just three days before his 72nd birthday, and just in time too, as the case of Nancy Argento was right there waiting for him. See, back in 2013, Lehigh County District Attorney Jim Martin announced that the still open case would be reviewed by his staff, and then in 2014, he announced that it had been passed along to a grand jury. By the time 2015 rolled around, I recently learned what a grand jury was. I'm sure all Americans listening know exactly what it is, but it's uh, it's not some sort of higher level jury of the like Supreme Court or whatever. Not that the Supreme Court has juries. That's just like a bunch of judges on a panel, right? How many, are there twelve of them, or am I imagining that? Isn't that the number of people? It doesn't matter. A grand jury is the number of is a, is a like group of people, public, regular peer, peers, who decide whether a case should be taken to court. In the UK, this is handled by the Crown Prosecution Service, who decide whether they'll like the police are like we think this person is guilty, and the Crown will be like, mm, yeah, we can or we can't, depending on how likely they think it is they'll get a prosecution. By the time 2015 rolled around, they were ready to take it to trial, and on September the 1st, 2015, Jimmy Superfly Snooker was arrested and charged with third-degree murder and involuntary manslaughter on the death of Nancy Argento. Finally, after 32 long years, it looked like justice would finally be served. Or so they thought. After 32 years? I mean, I'm totally against the idea of statute of limitations for murder. I think that's one of the things that, you know, you murdered someone. <laughs> but that is a long time. On October the 5th, Snooker's lawyers agreed to forego a preliminary hearing, not wanting to waste precious courtroom time. And on November the 2nd, Snooker pled not guilty to all the charges. However, something was clearly wrong with Jimmy, and they could all see it. As proceedings got underway, Snooker's attorney brought up something that could change the whole complexion of the trial. Jimmy Snooker had dementia. All those years of taking shots to the head as well as other cranial-related injuries had resulted in Snooker's brain having the consistency of pudding. Several hearings were held to determine Snooker's mental competency, as his attorney argued that both his physical and mental prowess were deteriorating at a rapid rate. The first was in May 2016 and again in June of that same year. The final hearing was held on January the 3rd, 2017, and in the end, Judge Kelly Banach agreed that the Superfly was not mentally fit to stand trial dismissing all charges. While it might seem unfair, in the end it seems like a small semblance of justice was done. The world was once again talking about Nancy. Her name was on the lips of every wrestling fan and everyone following the case, and Snooker was in no shape to be going through a trial when he was in no condition to defend himself. At that point, he probably couldn't even remember Nancy's name, and once it all came to pass, it was only a matter of time anyway. On December the 2nd, 2016, while still in the midst of the mental competency hearings, Snooker fell gravely ill and was put on hospice care. He was given six months to live, but he wouldn't even make it close to that. On January the 15th, 2017, only 12 days after he was ruled mentally unfit to stand trial, Jimmy Superfly Snooker passed away in Pompano Beach, Florida at the age of 73, surrounded by friends and family, holding his daughter's hand. Wrap up. And that's all, folks. We reach the end of our rather unfortunate story. The darkness once again pulls back as we reflect on what we've learned. I'll admit it wasn't until after Snooker's death that I, as a fan, really learned about Nancy and her tragic passing, as well as Snooker's part in it. She was a sweet, lovely girl, and she didn't deserve the end that she got. She was loved by her friends and her family, all of whom fight to keep her name and memory alive even to this day. In the end, Nancy Argento fell victim to a toxic and violent relationship, a trap that many women have, do, and will fall into as the years go by. They're made to think that these people love them, that if they stick around and try to stay strong, these things will get better. And it didn't help that Vince and others within the WWE were putting so much pressure on her to keep an eye on Jimmy. She should still be here, today, living her life the way she wanted to. But she's not. All because she loved a man too much to let him go.
As for snooker, well, he's still seen as a wrestling legend to millions around the world, and in some terms, they're right to think so. He was a pioneer, an innovator, a trailblazer, and was one of the most popular wrestlers of all time. However, he was also a drug addict, a recluse, a domestic abuser, and to many, an alleged murderer. His social issues combined with his crippling cocaine addiction was a maelstrom of violence that erupted onto Nancy when all she wanted to do was love him. And she paid the ultimate price. So do I, Matt, think Superfly killed her. After about a million allegedly's, I'd say yes, 100%. Allegedly, in my opinion, <laughs> I truly believe he killed her. Though he might not have meant for it to go that far. He might have hit her, he might have shoved her down, and her head might have cracked against something which took her life. I believe his grief was real, as were his emotions of guilt. But I also believe he went about his life like it never happened, continued to wrestle and love other women, and again, allegedly, I believe that Vince McMahon helped cover it up. So, in the end, I still respect the man as a wrestler and a pioneer of the sport, but as a human being, he's nothing more than a woman beater, a woman killer, whether intentional or not, and a piece of slime, in my, Matt's opinion. And uh, let's just say that, allegedly, I have a very similar opinion, and I imagine many people listening to this podcast will also have uh, have the same one because and those things are mutually exclusive you can be brilliant and also a horrible per- horrible person in fact there are many people brilliant people who are horrible people throughout history we know it i've made many videos about them at the end of the day my heart goes out to nancy's whole family and all her friends who have fought to keep her memory alive into this day to her sisters her mother her stepfather i'm sorry and my heart goes out to the family of jimmy snooker who because of his actions were saddled with all this dark attention Particularly, I sent love to his daughter, Serona, who to this day wrestles for the WWE under the name Tamina Snooker. Despite everything, she loved her father and continues to keep his memory alive, regardless of it all. Fly high, Nancy Argento, and rest in peace. And that's where we end today's episode. Thank you so much for listening or watching if you see this on YouTube. Leave a review for the show if you fancy it. That would be grand. Helps get this show in front of more people. And as always, thanks for watching. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.